another episode of Two Throw Over Noise. I am half of the show. My name is Jeff. The other half of the show, in the usual uh, co-captain seat, there is Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? Hey, man. It's, uh, I'm doing well. We've got lots of good baseball going on right now. I'm kind of addicted to the the world uh, baseball what the hell is it called? The World Baseball <laughs> Classic. You're so addicted to it that it has confounded you. Well, I, I'm used to saying it in uh, Swahili. Oh, yes. So, you you yeah, speak Sanskrit often when not. In fact, this podcast is the only time you've taken a vow of Sanskrit that you only talk Sanskrit except for when doing this podcast. Right. And and that's not easy majoring in Sanskrit. No. You know? And no, it's really kind of lonely, too, because nobody else really understands you. Oh, no, not even. There's no professor. even. Yeah. yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. I've got a lot of uh, World Baseball Classic stuff here. Uh, so let's just get right into it and uh, jump into BP. So I got a couple of things non-baseball classic related, just baseball history related. I wanted to talk about before we dive into our thoughts on the World Baseball Classic. First of which, I've been watching, Mark, I, I think I've told you this. I've been watching a lot of college baseball and college softball. Yeah. One, I think I finally figured out why, because they it, those games mean something. And I've been I have a real hard time watching spring training games. And I, I think it's because they just don't matter. It doesn't matter what happens in those games. So I've been more invested in college baseball and softball and now the, the WBC because the outcome matters. So I can't wait for opening day so that I can watch Major League Baseball and Yes, very exciting. We're we're at an exciting point in the preseason, and especially with the World Baseball Classic. Lots of good baseball going on. And in an A's fan, I've got so much to look forward to. It's very exciting. <laughs> very. <laughs> yeah, they went out and got a bunch of expensive free agents, I'm sure. Yeah. So this is something I didn't know about college baseball. If you want to, you can use a wood bat. Really? Yeah. So there is an infielder. He's a junior for the University of Oregon, Raku Nishida. He is from Osaka, Japan. He had his first career home run last week with a wood bat. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. If you can use wood or aluminum, you're probably going to choose the, the, the metal bat, right? Because it's lighter and you're probably going to hit the ball harder. Yeah, it's kind of spring-loaded. Yeah, it just makes so, that awful noise. Yeah, the, the ping. Yeah. yeah you know. And it just, frankly, they do not look as cool as wood bats. True. In any way, shape, or form. I got to admit, I'm a little addicted to buying wood bats now. <laughs> uh -oh. I got uh -oh. some sexy bats. I'm also kind of addicted to buying new baseball gloves. I've got a couple of new, a new infielder and a new outfield glove from Mizuno that I'm breaking and that I love. Wow. Just in case you get put in the outfield, um, those who don't know, Jeff's, uh, Jeff's playing baseball. Yeah. And, I'm a uh, cub. He's a cub, it, which had to have been difficult to put that hat on. Yeah, it is. I also have been the last two weeks been uh, buying a lot of Cubs gear so that I'm, <laughs> I can get all kitted out and stuff because you, you got to look good. To play good, you know. I totally things. agree. Uh, something else I saw. This one is sad. The uh, And I saw it in several different places um, last week that uh, six former Phillies have now died from a form of brain cancer. And oh, all geez. of these Phillies played on the artificial turf at Veterans Stadium. Oh, wow. Yeah, so the rate of brain cancer among the Phillies who played at the vet between 1971 and 2003 is about three times the average rate 
among normal adult men. Six former Phillies have reportedly died via a particularly aggressive and deadly form of brain cancer. That includes former catcher Darren Dalton and former reliever pitcher David West, who died just last year. The team gave away swatches of the turf to thousands of fans in 1982. They were four by four inch sealed plastic bags and they were labeled official turf of champions. Now, I do want to point out that the Phillies, by the way, did not win the World Series, did not win the National League pennant, did not win the National League East the year prior or that year. So I'm not sure if they were actually like giving away swatches from Bush Stadium where the actual reigning World Series (laughs) winners played or not. But that's what they put on the turf. Tests run on the samples of this turf. They, They bought some off of eBay. They ran tests on them, and they contained 16 different types of so-called forever chemicals. Oh, jeez. So I'm guessing forever chemicals, uh, you're you're probably not going to be able to get rid of them. The chemicals are probably here forever. forever. Yeah. The Phillies said that they have consulted with several brain cancer experts who told the organization that there is no evidence of a link between the artificial turf and the disease. But of course, these are the experts that the team paid to do the study. So I don't think I believe them. Right. Yeah. So one of the doctors is also named uh, that the the Phillies hired was named Dr. Martin Van Nostrand. So I'm not buying it. (laughs) I get the reference. Yeah, by the way, uh, special today. Count the number of Seinfeld references in this episode win a prize. (laughs) It's a virtual prize. Well, I'm not saying what it is. I'm just saying count the number. Let's see if anybody can come up with the number of of Seinfeld references in this episode today. A couple of other things. So uh, the, the, the Rays. The Rays are following the Mariners example, and I cannot be happy about this. The Rays are losing their road grade uniforms as well. Oh, no. Yep, they're going the Mariners route. They're going to be wearing navy blue on the road. I I would frankly rather the ghost rule be kept in perpetuity than let teams do this. Wow. I am not happy with this. Not I, happy I with that at all. Uh, I did also want to mention Joe Pepitone passed away yesterday. We're recording this episode, obviously a little late because of some technical difficulties. I'd like to talk more about him. I think we're going to save that for next week because we've got a lot still to cover here this week. But he was a real character and we just we don't have enough time to do him justice today. So. We're going to put a pin on that, but uh, that was sad to see Joe Pepitone. Not only a character, but just a great name, Pepitone. Yeah, absolutely. Rolls off the tongue, and it just sounds right. Yeah, now, I I don't have this written down, but I'm pretty sure Joe Pepitone was at Yankee Fantasy Camp when Kramer went to uh, and and got in the fight with... (laughs) Was it was it Mickey Mantle at the, at the fantasy I think camp? He, I think he plunked Mickey Mantle. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Joe Pepitone is mentioned in that episode, but I can't be certain. That's an unexpected Seinfeld reference right there. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get into some World Baseball Classic talk here during our BP segment. How great, Mark, are these great Britain away uniforms? Oh, oh, they're beautiful. They're, <laughs> they're, they're falling apart. They're so beautiful. Well, so, uh, first of all, I just think let's start with the away gray uniform. So first of all, they're gray. Let's tip of the hat to you right there from me. They're just so British. 
They are very matter of fact, no bright colors, no gradients, no weird designs or fonts, just Great Britain in very small text. Great. <laughs> yep. uh, the, I think the aprons of the Great British Bake Off have more personality than their away uniforms. Well, I don't think baseball is funded uh, all that well in, in Great Britain. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, they, they won a game yesterday. That, they did. That'll help the funding. Uh, I'm also wondering, though, with these uniforms, did they just forget they needed to design their uniforms? And it, like, so this just defaulted to the default uniform? Just bought some iron-on Yes. Yeah. Well, I saw one comment said that it looked like they ordered their uniforms from Vistaprint. <laughs> and apparently they very well might have. So apparently they ordered these uniforms late and they were not exactly what they were expecting when they arrived. So not in time for a do-over. Uh, to me, it, it kind of looks like the default jersey in MLB The Show. If you just want to like quickly play a game and not spend two weeks creating a team like some of us do. That's right. what it looks like. By the way, uh, the, the new MLB The Show comes out next week. I'm, I'm pre-ordered and ready to go. Oh, you're already set. And I got the Derek Jeter edition just for you. See, oh, oh nice. All I have is an Atari 2600. Oh, so I, I yeah. can't play that. No. So I saw somebody say this, and uh, it's not a Seinfeld reference, but it's my, uh, my other favorite all-time all sitcom, said that the uh, uniforms were the equivalent of the it is your birthday sign from the office. Just It's just a statement of fact. Great Britain. Uh, That's right. The font, though, is so small that it lands on the buttons. So it, when the buttons, if somebody unbuttons it a little, it looks like it says grr and then eat and then bry and tain. <laughs> which, which, of course, the internet... Uh, has already made eat and tain into something else entirely by adding another letter on the end of one of those words. So I'll let you figure that out. But, gotcha. <laughs> uh, that being said, of course, their their uniforms, uh, the the way uniforms are better than their home uniforms, as the game I mentioned where they where they actually got their first WBC win against Colombia. The T from Great uh, actually fell off one of the pitchers' uniforms while they were on the mound in the middle of the yeah. game. That was hilarious. I was watching and I'm just like, uh, uh, is that tea falling off? I think it is. And then it, they showed it. It was on the ground. So it's, I was playing for Gree Britain. It's very British, though, to leave some tea on the mound. You know, <laughs> ah, see. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. time for tea. Great Britain has got a great home run celebration, though. Yes, I <laughs> like it. We've seen some good ones from some of the teams, but for Great Britain... They, uh, they get a crown and a cloak and what appears to be Excalibur yes. uh, when they come to the dugout. I think, Mark, we might need to start doing something like this for whoever wins Wax Packs Heroes each week. Ooh, yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah, so let's put, to, let's put some thought into an outfit or something. It can't be a, a chain with a big low. You, you know, it's got to be something original. All right, can we uh, talk about the Bat Boys at the Tokyo Dome for a minute? Yeah, we can. Yeah, okay, we got that time. So the Bat Boys at the Tokyo Dome seem to have valets that follow them around. Uh, somebody gets on base, and the Bat Boy runs out to the batter, and they're handed their gloves and their you know elbow guards and all that kind of stuff, whatever they want to discard. And then right behind the Bat Boy, who's in uniform, 
is another young person in a polo shirt and khakis. And the Bat Boy immediately hands everything to them, and then they take it into the dugout. Okay. It's like the Bat Boy's just the middleman in this whole thing. Like <laughs> the government had something to do with how this was set up to run. This is just it's very confusing, though. I thought Japanese yes. culture generally prided themselves on being efficient, and this does not seem efficient. It doesn't seem, but uh, maybe there's something we don't know. <laughs> I'm sure there's <laughs> something we're missing, yeah. Yes. Uh, speaking of Japanese culture, I'm quitting my job, Mark. I'm done. What? I have invested in the pepper grinder market in Japan, uh-huh. and I am making a fortune, hand over fist. Nice. Uh, the grinding of the pepper mill, of course, made famous by none other than uh, Two Strike Noise Discovery, Lars Newtbar, who is well on his way to being tournament MVP, in my mind. He's looking pretty good out there. Yeah, I think Otani was named the MVP of the first round from that pool, but I, I'm not sure they retired him. <laughs> during any of the, the four games. And of course, he pitched well. Of course, though, the, the internet being undefeated has also made that motion's gifts with that motion into some not safe for work uh, looks, I'll say. So you can look that up as well if you're interested in that. But uh, listeners, you should be proud because by listening to this podcast, you were well ahead of uh, the Lars Newtbar experience, like long before most of the other people are just coming aboard our crowded bandwagon. So, yes, we were on there real early. Real early. Yeah, but we yeah. welcome everybody. We're here for oh, it. Yeah. We, we're not going to gatekeep Lars Newtbar. Lars is good enough to get everybody to, to cheer for him. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he is. Uh, if we'll he, share him. Everybody is welcome to uh, to you know, saddle up to the Lars Newt bar. See look what I did there. <laughs> Belly up to the Lars Newt bar. There we go. That there might be go. a little bit clearer. All right, Mark, uh, we got trivia. This is going to be our last week. I think we're going to have, uh, we're going to have debuts next week. I am super excited because I really like debuts, but I did ask a question last week. I got one more for this week. Uh, and last week, if you remember, it was uh, one of our longtime listeners, Marshall, had sent me something and I made a trivia question out of it. So the question I asked last week is who, which pitcher has the most seven plus inning games with no walks? Right. I, now, first of all, before we give the answer, I just want to say that I think our listeners misunderstood this question and they were trying to give me the pitcher with the second most seven plus innings pitched with no walks uh-huh. i see yeah we only got one correct answer we got a good number of guesses every one of them except for one was wrong and every one of them except for the one that was right was giving me the same answer <laughs> so oh, okay. do you have any idea i can tell you this right now it's not nolan ryan uh, yeah I, he walked a few batters uh, i honestly have no idea bob malacky Oh, very close. He was, uh, let's see, 642 on this list. There you go. And the fact that we can say Bob Malacky and, you know, hopefully most of our listeners know who that is. That's a good thing. So now the number one pitcher with seven plus innings pitched and no walks is Cy Young. Oh, wow. If, if the answer can be Cy Young, it's probably Cy Young. But yeah. the number two pitcher on that list that everybody sent in as their answer was Greg Maddox. That makes sense. So Maddox had 142 of those games. Cy Young, 214. 
Wow. Is, is that got to be ultra quality starts? <laughs> yes, very quality. I mean, it doesn't say how many runs they gave up in those games, but I'm going to assume right. if you're not walking anybody in your Cy Young or Greg Maddox that. Yeah, you're probably pitching well. Probably doing okay. All right, so here it is, Mark. I believe this is going to be our final trivia question of the uh, regular baseball season. So here it is. Who is the only player to ever hit into a baseball reverse triple-double? <laughs> I'm sure everybody here is a big basketball fan, as I am. Just loving this time of the year. Uh, triple-double yeah. in basketball. Of course, is when you score double figures, you have double figures and rebounds and assists or steals, uh, you know, any of the, the big categories. If you get double figures in those, those are called a triple double. Some people mess around and uh, score a triple double uh, if it's a good day. So that, of course, was a, an Ice Cube reference. So, yes, yeah, not the objects, the rapper. Yeah. And not uh, not in si not no Seinfeld Ice uh, Cube nor Ice-T, I believe, ever made an appearance or was referenced on Seinfeld. I could be wrong. So a baseball triple-double. In one game, if a player committed two errors, struck out twice, and grounded into two double plays in a single game, that's a reverse triple-double for baseball. That's a rough day. That's a rough day. And uh, somebody had a rough day. And this is the only one. I have only found one. I will be willing to eat it if somebody else has done this, but I could only find one player to have had uh, this infamous mark. Interesting. So if uh, you can figure that out, that's going to take some digging too. Nobody's going to be able to just formulate an answer and take a guess and feel good about it here. Yeah, it could be anybody. Yeah. Now, I will, I'm going to give you a clue here. We've talked about him a couple of times on this podcast. Okay. So it's not somebody, it's not Bob Smith, you know, appeared in six games for the Philadelphia Blue Jays in 1929. Okay. It's going to be somebody that if you're familiar with this podcast, you're going to know the name and, and we've talked about him before. That's fair. Yeah. So it's, it, it, that'll kind of help you. A little bit, not much. But uh, anyway, so uh, we'll tell you how to get a hold of us. You can send in your answers. We'll tell you at the end of the show how to do that. I just realized, Mark, I didn't tell you the one person that got this uh, question right. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been bad. Uh, so unfortunately for you and I, Mark, the one person that got this right is the one person that likes to make fun of us and not use their real name. <laughs> Uh, of course. So their uh, their name this week is who's uglier, Jeff with a mustache or Mark without one? <laughs> uh, whoever this is, is is pretty funny. Yeah. Looking with that, too. Probably. All right. So, uh, again, uh, congratulations to you. Uh, everybody else, uh, keep them coming. Just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I kind of stumped most people on that one. I think I'm going to do it again next week. But uh, that's going to do it for our BP segment. Mark, it is time for, uh, everybody loves these episodes. It is time for what we like to call Tales from the Dugout. It's a couple of shorter stories that are not as long as our usual episodes. So we kind of bunch them together and we've got a couple of uh, shorter stories for this week. And Mark, I'm going to have you go first. All right. Well, um, I actually found something interesting. It happened in 1956 with the New York Yankees. And yes, that is, that is a big year. It was a big year for Mickey Mantle. 
who hit 358 with 52 home runs that year. Jeez. Yeah, he had a pretty good year. They they made it to the World Series against the Dodgers and they lost the first two games. But then the Yankees drew a line in the sand and they had five, count them, five complete games in a row. Wow. Yeah. So Whitey Ford, Tom Sturdivant, Don Larson, Bob Turley, and Johnny Cux. Don Larson, of course, that was the perfect game that uh, that he threw. And uh, you mentioned Tom Sturdivant. Yep. We we if you if you've listened to a lot of this show, you know who that is. That's right. And you know what was funny is I was thinking about our our interview with Ralph Terry. I remember I said something about Mickey or not about Mickey Mantle in an interview referring to Don Larson as Goonie, and uh, I never mentioned that. But when Ralph went to talk about Don Larson, he called him Goonie. So I was like, oh, I guess that was accurate. Do we know how that nickname came across or came yeah. came to being? He's just apparently just a goofy dude, you know, <laughs> always. Mantle's story was, it was about Don Larson walking around during the perfect game going, wouldn't it be funny if I threw a no-hitter in a World Series? <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody is running away from him in the dugout, <laughs> exactly. not wanting to be anywhere near him. Exactly. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Five straight. Uh, one note on this I wanted to throw in. Uh, Casey Stingle referred to Don Larson as a man who liked beer. There you have it. I think we've we've uh, talked about a, a lot of guys that yeah. like well, beer. Well, Don Larson liked beer a lot, too, enough to make Casey Stengel notice. He stayed in a lot better shape than some other guys that like beer, like David Wells, or, <laughs> you know, those kind of guys that, uh, David Wells, of course, looked like a Yankee from the 20s out there on the map. But. Yeah. All right. So uh, we talked a little bit about the WBC during BP today. I, I kind of want to dip my toe in that a little bit again, because, Mark, I want to ask you, first of all, what's your all time favorite drink, your beverage? Um, Diet Pepsi. Okay. Uh, if, so if you, if you could only drink one liquid for the rest of your life, it's going to be Diet Pepsi. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's what I would choose. All right. Well, mine mine's coffee. Hot or cold, I love coffee. It's delicious. If it were socially acceptable to bathe in it, I would do so, just like I would drape myself in velvet if that was accepted. <laughs> uh, so the Italian team in the World Baseball Classic had a Nespresso coffee maker in the dugout. I saw that. <laughs> Those Italians. Yeah, I, I believe there were still coolers of like water and Gatorade as well, but I, I love it. If they could get a barista in there as well, that would really be awesome like not not a bikini barista probably just like no, a no. hipster who really really takes their coffee seriously maybe a little too seriously in the yes, dugout that a would real be coffee cool. snob that would be pretty cool so i think we talked about it i learned just like a year or two ago that i remembered seeing players drinking like steaming hot coffee in the middle of summer before games and i thought it was weird until i found out that they did that to help the greenies kick in a little bit faster and yeah. then they would drink milk if 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 it if they took too many greenies, they'd have to slam some milk to counteract that. But it led me down kind of a rabbit hole of of coffee and baseball. So baseball and coffee have a relationship before the greenies, though. I think I vaguely remember seeing these commercials uh, when I was young, where Joe DiMaggio was uh, the spokesperson yes. for Mr. Coffee. And if, That's right. if you don't know, Mr. Coffee was, was, I think it still is, an automatic drip coffee maker 
that revolutionized making coffee at home. It made the sweet nectar of the gods without having to boil water like the, the percolator method did, which is what was kind of standard before that. And that made coffee very bitter because you were boiling water and it was constantly going through the, the, the coffee grounds. This right. is now a coffee podcast will be listed in the top list of coffee podcasts very soon. Uh, well, this whole revelation might be also what led Joe DiMaggio to learn how to dunk his donuts. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, but now that's not the only way that coffee and in particular uh, Mr. Coffee is linked to baseball. Mr. Coffee was designed by a guy named Vincent Morata. But before he came upon the new way to brew coffee at home, he was a baseball player. In fact, he was a very good baseball player who signed with the St. Louis Cardinals in 1942 as a center fielder. But before his first spring training, Vincent enlisted in the Army and was off to World War II. After the war, he returned and actually played football professionally for the St. Louis Browns. He was a really good athlete. Well-rounded. Yeah, but of course, this is not a football history podcast, so we'll skip forward to the coffee and baseball stuff. Vince needed a, a big name to help get the word out about his new coffee maker. So being a former baseball player, he looked up Joe DiMaggio and thought, hey, who better to pitch coffee makers, right? So right. Joe was already out there as a spokesman for Camel Cigarettes, telling the public that Camels had 28% less nicotine than the other leading lung darts. To me, I'm thinking that, I mean, they're almost too healthy not to smoke if they've got 28% less. They That's a good point. Can be called like fire sticks of life. They really, like, they need to rebrand it there. Yeah. Build muscles, I'm sure. So Vince calls up Joe D, you know, as, as one does. You just look up the phone number of the best baseball player, you know. Just look him up in the phone book and reach sure. out and touch someone, and there's Joe DiMaggio. Well, it just so happened that as Joe was talking to him on the phone, he mentioned to Vince that he had just recently won a Mr. Coffee in a golf tournament. And his sister was, at that very moment, in the kitchen brewing up a fresh pot with said Mr. Coffee. Wow. That's great and all, but Joe was not interested in pitching a coffee maker. He had, you know, more coffin nails he needed to sell to Americans, so he was happy with that. But Vince was not going to take no for an answer, so jumps on a plane the next day, flies to Joe's hometown near San Francisco, calls him again, which I'm sure Joe really loved. I mean, he couldn't really block him because he didn't have caller ID yet. Wasn't set up. <laughs> I think he'd purchased it. He just hadn't set it up yet. But he agreed to hear Vince out again, and they went out to dinner. And eventually Joe capitulated, which, I'm sorry, I know it's a big word. Baseball fans are going to have to look it up. But So Joe DiMaggio goes on to be the spokesperson for Mr. Coffee for over 20 years. Thanks for the rebate, Joe. You're welcome. And now when you buy a Mr. Coffee, I'll send you a $5 rebate check, too, with my signature. Because I know you're going to love the delicious way Mr. Coffee brews. The Tuesday Bridge Club sure does. Never knew coffee could taste so great or brew so fast. Buy one of these Mr. Coffees now and get your $5 rebate from America's favorite coffee maker. So I chose that one because he's referencing these $5 rebate checks. I oh, mean, sweet. first of all, there's a lot of commercials. 20 years. There's even one from 1990. I mean, that's... Wow. <laughs> I know 1990 is 33 years 
a go at this point. But, you know, to us, I think it probably still seems like it's just like a five years ago. But I mean, he was doing these for a very long time. Marota joked in an interview once that millions of kids grew up thinking that Joe DiMaggio was a famous appliance salesman. <laughs> Ironically, Joe did not drink coffee. He had chronic ulcers and drinking coffee would upset them. When he did occasionally have to have coffee, he would drink Sanka instant. <laughs> Sanka. Yikes. That's, I mean, what are you going to tell me next? Like he didn't actually smoke camels. He was more of a, like a Virginia Slims guy. It's yeah, could be. False advertisement, but. Absolutely. Sanka. That's like the uh, Smirnoff ice of, of coffee. Yes. It is the cubic zirconia of beverages. Yeah. It's a weird choice. But uh, so remember at the start of the story, I mentioned that the Mr. Coffee allowed users to brew coffee without boiling the water. Well, Mr. Coffee would heat the water to exactly 190 degrees, uh, which was a little bit under the the boiling point. Well, is Uh, water has not changed the boiling point since (laughs) Mr. Coffee. It's still the same. Uh, It's a little bit under the boiling point, though. Well, in the early 1980s, there was a new drug that became popular on the streets, crack cocaine. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, Mr. Coffee machines, they were flying off the shelves at that point. They were hard to find. It turns out it wasn't because everybody liked the way it made coffee. It's because when cocaine is dissolved in a solution of sodium bicarbonate and hot water, it forms crack cocaine. The temperature that the water needs to be in order to create crack just so happens to be exactly 190. The same wow. magic number that Mr. Coffee heats its water to in order to make the perfect cup of coffee. Wow. Professional podcasting right there. <laughs> WBC coffee crack cocaine. If Paul Harvey were still alive, I believe he would tip his cap to us on that one. Yeah, you, now you know the rest of the story. Exactly. So <laughs> Joe DiMaggio, coffee, crack cocaine, and Vincent Marota. Very nice, Jeff. I'm wondering, is, do any of our listeners still have a uh, uh, Mr. Coffee? Hey, that, it, those things last forever. Well, it, it led me to do a little searching on eBay because I thought, well, let me see. You know, th- that commercial we played, Joe DiMaggio is sending you a $5 rebate, and he says, with my signature on it. Well, of course, he's not signing these. It's just a copy, but... You know, it's it would be I thought oh, it might be kind of cool to have one of those. So I looked it up on eBay and I could not find any. I did, however, find a uh, autographed 11 by 13 Mr. Coffee advertisement, which has uh, been authenticated by Beckett. It is uh, it is yours for only four hundred and forty one dollars. Really? Yeah, it's just it's literally it's like the front part of the box of the like if you bought the if you bought a Mr. Coffee, it's the front part of the box and he signed it. <laughs> so it's a Joe DiMaggio signature. It is. And it's unique. Yeah, it's, I think you're right. Yeah, it's very unique and it's been authenticated. So just search eBay for Joe DiMaggio and Mr. Coffee and it'll pop up. Joe DiMaggio, not just a great hitter, but a great beverage maker. A great pitchman. I noticed, I watched several of the commercials, and he always has a cup of coffee in his hand, but he never drinks it. 
Yeah. Well, he, he mimes it a couple of times, uh, but the cup is obviously empty because he's like making these wild hand gestures and then he puts the cup to his mouth. Obviously, there's nothing in it because of this <laughs> ulcers. But there you go. Uh, Joe DiMaggio coffee. Been hanging on to that nice. one for a while. Wanted to wanted to get that one in there. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for our shorter stories in this episode of Tales from the Dugout. Mark, it is time. Uh, probably not as much fanfare. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I can't watch spring training games because they don't mean anything, right? Yeah. But well, last week you you completed your back to back to back your your three peat of Wax Packs Heroes Championship. The ticker tape parade, from what I understand, was spectacular. They're still cleaning up. Great. Oh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, we we uh, enjoyed the uh, ticker tape. Um, we collected it all and saved it for future uh, use uh, when we win next time. When you win your fourth. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> so what we're going to do uh, this week and maybe next week, we're going we're gonna to just play an exhibition game of Wax Packs Heroes. Uh, I thought this is the perfect time, just like Major League Baseball is tweaking and and making some new rules. I thought we'd do it here during our exhibition games, uh, tweak the rules a little bit to, to see how we like it for next season. But Mark, before we do that, everybody's waiting for it. All right, so uh, Mark, I've got in my hands today, I've got a couple of packs of the 1988 Fleers. Uh, we'll go through them. I thought we'd, uh, like I said, tweak the rules a little bit here. These are the rules that I thought we might lose. Thought we might lose the sweatband rule with your caricature or, or jersey number. It just doesn't happen that often. Sure. They're great if it happens. You know, if you see them, we like that. I was thinking about the final three seasons in Seattle rule. Yeah. Um, maybe losing that the uh, two flaps or no flap on the batting helmet. I'm I think we've had that happen once and batting without batting gloves. I'm not sure if we've ever had that happen. So that was my proposal was to lose those. And then my two new rules that I'm proposing is that uh, if the player is mentioned in the Mitchell report or was suspended for uh, drug use at any point, minus half a point of war. Like we got to make it hurt. Wow. There you go. All right. Okay. I like that. And then another one is uh, if we find, if we easily find that they uh, have an acting appearance on their resume. So, you know, on a TV show or something, a a lot of these guys have IMDB pages, but it's because they host baseball tonight or, you know, was on a DVD about the world series or something. I want pop culture, movie, TV show appearances sabrina the teenage witch well if it's sabrina the teenage witch i've got an asterisk here it's a whole point anything else is half a point oh so well seinfeld let's do sabrina and seinfeld what do you say about that that's fair there's some there's some seinfeld ball players oh yeah we got paul o'neill Derek. they're all yankees yes danny tartable and uh it was danny tartable when uh, george had his uh, middle finger wrapped up uh, because he heard it yeah well danny tartable was on uh, he was he was on two episodes, right? Because I think was. He, he was the only one to be on two episodes. But if we can agree, so we're going to lose four rules and we're going to add two more. Does that sound? Yeah, let's give it a shot and All see right. how it works Yeah, out. yeah. Let's see, let's see how it goes here. Maybe it'll cut down the length of the game. Or uh, maybe we'll run a little bit more. I'm not sure. But All right, Mark, I got these two packs here. One in my left hand, one in my right hand. Which one would you like? 
I'm going left. Left. All right. I'm going to. I'm going to just have you go first. Doesn't. I. We've determined it doesn't matter. I'm going to lose regardless. So. <laughs> no, it's an exhibition. You might pull this off. <laughs> All right, Mark. So you've got a Los Angeles Dodgers sticker here that I'll make sure to send you. Appreciate it. Uh, I forgot. I didn't even actually go over the rules. We were so busy uh, getting the the new rules in there. If you don't know the rules, uh, just look them up. There's, you know, just buy a, a rule book and it'll be in there. But one of the things we do, Mark, is we uh, we choose a team each week. Uh, who are you going to go with this week? I thought I might go with the Cleveland Indians or the Guardians. Sorry, the Cleveland franchise. All right. Yes. Uh, let's see. If you're going to go with Cleveland. You know what? I'm going to go. Uh, I'm watching the the end of the uh, Canada game right now, and their uniforms look like the Reds, so I'm going to go with the Reds. There you go. Okay. Okay. If Australia was playing, I would have chosen the A's. There you go. <laughs> all right, Mark, uh, your first card here is uh, my uh, all-time favorite relief pitcher. Your all-time favorite? Yes, relief pitcher. Yes. Is it Dennis Eckersley? No. Okay. I have no idea. It's Gino, Gene Nelson. <laughs> How long have we been doing this? Yeah, I don't think I'd have got that anyway. Really? Oh, yeah. I love Gino. I, and I say that every time we talk about him. Uh, let's see. Gene Nelson uh, played for 13 years in the big league. Six with Oakland, three with the White Sox, two with Seattle. Uh-huh. That was before I was watching baseball. That was his second and third year in the big leagues, 82 and 83. And then won a piece with Texas, California, and the Yankees. In 1988, of course he was with the A's because the A's went to the World Series that year. He was a stud out of the pen. 9-6, 3.06 ERA. Finished uh, 20 games, appeared in 54. 111 and two-thirds innings out of the bullpen. That's impressive. He did have one start, but still, that is a lot of innings out of the bullpen for Gino. Struck out 67, a 125 ERA+. Plus. And that is good for a war of 1.5 for a middle reliever. I'll take that. Yeah. Plus, you know, he's got a good mustache. Of course. Uh, I'm going to even give you two tenths of a point for length, like width. Nice. <laughs> he's got good girth on his mustache. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a Wyatt Earp. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's going to be a 1.7 right out of the gate for you. Very nice. Oh, well, he was once traded to the Yankees for a uh, for Mickey Rivers, who we've done a show on, and Oscar Gamble, who has, you know, some of the best hair in the history of baseball. And some of the best cards. Absolutely. Yes, because well, that hair is featured prominently on those cards. Yep. All right, so uh, on to your next card, it is third baseman for the San Diego Dads. It's Chris Brown. Like, not the, the punching Rihanna Chris Brown, just regular Chris Brown. I don't remember Chris Brown. I don't really either. I think we've pulled this card before, and I think I've probably made that uh, reference before. But uh, Chris Brown, six years in the big leagues, four with the Giants, two with the Padres, one with the Tigers. 1988 with San Diego, he appeared in 80 games as a third baseman, hit 235, 295 on base, two home runs, 19 RBI, a 68 OPS plus, and that is good for a .2 war. He definitely has real stirrups on, and he's got a mustache here. So uh, that's still, that's, that is good for a, a point four for Chris Brown. Well, I'll take it since I didn't even know who he was. Better than a slap in the face, I guess. Oh, wow. He was uh, traded by the Giants with Keith Comstock, relative of the Comstock law. Comstock to the Padres for former guest Dave Dravecki, Craig Def Lepperts, and Kevin Mitchell. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a haul there for the Giants. Man, I guess. Pretty sad. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Chris Brown has a much longer uh, <laughs> Wikipedia page than Gene Nelson. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, actually, I just noticed he uh, he's passed away. He um, suffered burns at uh, in a fire at a house that he owned. Um, he was only 45. Yeah, and I, I, we've definitely mentioned him. We've had his card before because he also drove an 18-wheel truck in, in Iraq for Halliburton. Oh, that's, right. that's right. And uh, let's see, he also was a high school teammate of Daryl Strawberry. Huh. And uh, was the, he was, uh, that was, uh, he and Straw were on the 1979 Crenshaw High Cougars baseball team. And apparently there is a book by Michael Sokolov called The Ticket Out, Daryl Strawberry and the Boys of Crenshaw. Nice. Yeah, I haven't heard might of have that. to look that one up. Yeah, it might be interesting. All right, next you have got uh, an infielder for the Boston Red Sox. It's Ed Romero. So let's see, Ed Romero, 12 years in the big leagues, eight with Milwaukee, four with the Sox, and then one for Atlanta, one for Detroit. 1988 with Boston, he only appeared in 31 games, hit 240, no home runs, five RBI, a 53 OPS plus, and that is a minus .6 war. He does have a mustache, so that'll only be a minus .5. Ouch. You know, I think he was bench coach for the Astros at one point. Let's uh, we'll see here probably in a minute. Now, it's it's interesting here. He's uh, this is a posed picture. Uh, it looks like they're probably in Anaheim when this was taken. He's on, on is uh, definitely on the road. And uh, on the knob of his bat, he's got written number 42. Ed Romero never wore number 42. <laughs> now, what my guess is here is that that is Dave Henderson's bat. That would make sense. Uh, Dave Henderson, obviously, well, not obviously, but famously wore number 42. And Dave Henderson was on the Red Sox the year prior in 1987 when this picture probably was taken. So there is a little bit of uh, baseball sleuthing for you. There you go. That's what we do here. (laughs) Yes. Last thing it says here with the Astros was that he was the manager for the Tri-City Valley Cats of the New York Penn League in 2013 to 2015. Nice. And then uh, his son, Eddie, is uh, an executive vice president and an assistant GM with the Red Sox. Wow. If Wikipedia is to be believed. <laughs> All right, you're at 1.6. This will be a quick one because he's on our do not talk about list. Outfielder for the Mets, Lenny Dykstra. Yeah, he may lead the uh, don't talk about li- uh, list. He may be number one. Well, you know, I think we've got some guys that have... <laughs> I think we've got some uh, Luis Polonia type uh, players that are probably more awful than Lenny Dykstra. Uh, Because we don't like to talk about the things he's done, we're just going to look quickly at his numbers for 1988. He was with the Mets that year, 126 games, uh, hit 270, 321 on base, eight home runs, 33 stolen bases, or I'm sorry, 33 RBI, 30 stolen bases, a 107 OPS plus, and a 3.5 war. And he has got real stirrups. So that'll be a plus 3.6 for you. That's I'll a take big, that. Yeah, it's a big one there. All right, now you got a Hall of Famer, one of, uh, one of our favorites here with the Yankees, outfielder David Winfield. Oh, got to love him. Love to talk about with Dave Winfield. <laughs> All right, so uh, Winnie, 22 years in the big leagues. Wow, that's a long career. Nine with the Yankees, eight with the Padres, two with the Twins, two with the Angels, one with Cleveland, one with Toronto. 
A lot of things here. 12-time All-Star, won the World Series in 92 with the Blue Jays, seven-time Gold Glove winner, six-time Silver Slugger, uh, once arrested, you know, for nailing a, a seagull with the ball in, in Toronto. A lot, of, uh, a lot of stuff going on. 1988, wow. So he's, he's a Hall of Famer. His final All-Star year, 1988 with the Yankees, 149 games. He hit 322, a 398 on base, 25 home runs, 107 RBI, nine stolen bases, came in fourth in the MVP voting and a 159 OPS plus. And that'll be a 5.4 war. Thank you, Dave. So that'll be 6.4 for the Hall of Fame, 6.9 for the All-Star game. Of course, he's got a mustache on. On. Well, he's sporting a mustache. So that will be seven even. Now, (laughs) we just ditched the rule about uh, no flat batting helmet. Guess what Dave Winfield is wearing in this car? (laughs) Of course. Of course. But Dave Winfield, just an incredible athlete. I think he was drafted in all four major. Oh, well, I'm going to say three. I don't think he was drafted by the NHL. Could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, could be wrong. I think he went to school in Minnesota, so... Um, they play hockey. Yeah, definitely. Drafted by the Padres. Number one, the fourth overall pick in the 1973 draft. Uh, of course, George Steinbrenner was always a big fan of, of Dave Winfield. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, we've we've talked a lot about Dave Winfield. You know, I think maybe probably be good for an, for an episode at some point. Did not ever appear on Seinfeld, though. Right. All right, uh, you're at 12.2. Your next card shortstop for the Pirates here. I think of him with Atlanta more than not. It's Raphael Belliard. Oh, boy. I don't think I'm going to get many uh, offensive points. Well, I can tell you without looking up how many uh, career home runs he has. <laughs> and how many is that? Two. I know that for Very a fact. Nice. I know that one right off the top of my head. Uh, let's see. 17 years in the big leagues. Split it pretty much evenly. Nine with the Bucks, eight with Atlanta. In 1988 with the Pirates, 122 games. He hit 213, 288 on base. No home runs, surprisingly enough. 11 RBI. In 122 games, he knocked in 11 runs. (laughs) You can do that on accident. Wow. Uh, Seven stolen bases and a 55 OPS plus. All that equals a .7 war, because, of course, you get the defense. That's the only way he could not be negative. He also has a wispy mustache, so you're going to get .8 out of that. Oh, right on. Yeah, not too bad. Never traded in his career. Not a single time was he traded. I mean, I guess he only played for two teams, but... You would think that just randomly he'd be traded, you know? Yeah, at some point, but no, never traded, just released and re-signed. That's That's the way he does it. There you go. Uh, cousin of Ronnie Belliard. He was with, I think he played for the Bucks too at some point. Let's see, uh, Brewers, Rockies, Cleveland, St. Louis, the Nats, and the Dodgers. So no, completely wrong. But, all right. <laughs> uh, let's see. You have got three cards left here. Next, you've got pitcher for the Twins, Les Straker. Okay. Uh, the game has been halted. There's a Les Straker on the field. No. <laughs> That's a reach. Maybe. That's a reach. Yeah. There's okay. a less striker on the mound. Oh, no. Only two years in the big leagues. Uh, both of them with Minnesota. 87 was his rookie year. 88, he went 2-5 and five in 16 games, 14 starts, a 3.92 ERA. Not bad. Uh, had one complete game shutout and a save. <laughs> so he, oh, wow. he, he started 14 of the 16 games he appeared in, but he had a save. 82 and two-thirds innings, 86 hits, 
23 strikeouts, 25 walks. Wow. 1-0-4 ERA plus, and that will equal a .8 war. Uh, he appeared in the postseason in 87 for the, the Twins. He's got a World Series ring. Definitely. So, you know, good for him. Uh, didn't pitch that well, apparently, in, in the playoffs, but yeah, there you go. So point. Point 0.8 in the mustache, you'll get a, a point 0.9 out of that. Uh, I don't think Les Straker has appeared in Sabrina the Teenage Witch or any uh, any popular media, no. He's got a cool name for an action hero. Les Straker? Or yeah. an adult film star. Kind of. That too. Maybe both. Yeah, there you go. All right, next, uh, this guy does not have a uh, action movie star name. It's pitcher for the Phillies, Wally Ritchie. <laughs> yeah, Wally Ritchie doesn't sound like a tough guy, but maybe he was. Well, he doesn't look particularly tough either. <laughs> but you know what? Wally Ritchie pitched for four years in the big leagues, all of it with the Phillies. Let's see, in 1988, he appeared in 19 games, no record, 3.12 ERA, 26 innings pitched, 19 hits allowed, eight strikeouts, 17 walks. So he makes Les Straker look like a control pitcher. Uh, and uh, let's see, that's a good for a, that's good for a 116 ERA plus still. And overall, the war is zero. And there's nothing on this card that's going to even begin to think about helping you out. So <laughs> That was a fun one. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess he uh, also has not uh, been in popular media anywhere. Okay. It's kind of funny here. I'm reading about him. It says uh, uh, Richie and his wife married in 1988 and had at least three children. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're going for accuracy. Well, so this is interesting. So you said, um, you, you know, you said something about uh, not being a tough guy. And yeah. uh, we've already pulled Lenny Dykstra in this pack. Well, get this. On May 7th, 1991, Richie was in the minors. He was uh, recalled to the majors. This wasn't his debut. But they brought him up because Lenny Dykstra and Darren Dalton had been injured in a drunk driving car accident. So they had to fill the roster. Wow. And then later on June 4th, Richie was on the bump against uh, Atlanta, and he hit Otis Nixon with a pitch. This was the first time in Nixon's career he had ever been hit by a pitch, so he charged the mound. He <laughs> kicked Richie in the stomach and punched him in the head three times. If you're wearing spikes, that is very yeah. dangerous. Uh, Richie was suspended for one game, but he was injured in the scuffle, put on the disabled list. <laughs> well, that's pretty hard luck. Yeah. Uh, also, looks like he played a lot of. Oh, he played for uh, played for a couple of independent teams, including some in the Bay Area here, as well as uh, the uh, CPBL. He played there. All right, Mark. Uh, let's see. You're at thirteen point nine. Your final card. You got a lot of mustachioed pitchers in this pack here with Cleveland, which is your team. So you're going to get a half a point right off the bat. Pitcher Ed Vandenberg. I remember him. Do you, uh, are you going to get extra points for being uh, having a, a pitcher of Dutch descent? <laughs> Do we have that in the, That's one of the minor rules. Yeah, that's really in the bylaws. Uh, let's see. Seven years in the big leagues, four with Seattle. He came up with Seattle from 82 yes. to 85. And then one with Texas, the Dodgers, and Cleveland. 88 uh, was his loan, his final year in the big leagues, his loan year with Texas. He went 2-2 two and two with a 4.14 ERA, 37 innings pitched, 18 strikeouts, 99 ERA plus, and that is a minus .1 war, but he's got a mustache. Ooh. So uh, he will end up as a scratch there. Another zero. 
Yeah, now I do, again, know he did not appear in uh, Sabrina or anything else. So, all right, Mark. So uh, you ended up with 13.9, which is, uh, it's not bad. It's beatable, though. Yeah. For sure. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and open my pack now. All right. So uh, let's see here. My stickers are, I've got the Orioles and Atlanta. Now, I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to give you points there for the Atlanta sticker, even though you chose Atlanta as your team. I believe I chose Cleveland. Or uh, Cleveland, yeah. I'm. Oh, well, then never mind. Then you're definitely not getting <laughs> any, any points. No, no, definitely not. All right. Well, this is, I think this is going to be a strong card to start out with. It's a little bit later in his career. But here uh, with Atlanta, which is not the team you chose, Dale Murphy. Oh, wow. Yeah, that should get you some points. Let's see. Dale Murphy, uh, no Hall of Fame. Possibly should be. Two-time MVP, though, seven-time All-Star, five gold gloves, four Silver Slugger awards, 18 years in the big leagues, 15 with Atlanta, three with Colorado, and then that final, or I'm sorry, three with Philadelphia, and that final one year with Colorado. 1988 is the first year after his last All-Star appearance. Uh, Let's see, at age 32, he hit 226 with a 313 on base. 24 home runs, 77 RBI, three stolen bases, a 106 OPS plus, and he led the league in uh, double plays grounded into. This isn't looking good. Well, that's fun. Uh, still got me a ER, uh, still got me a war of 3.1. Not bad. Yeah, uh, famously clean shaven, so obviously no mustache bonus there or anything like that. First round draft pick, fifth overall by Atlanta in 1974. So here's a tie-in for you. Uh, Dale was the first base coach for the USA team in the 2013 World Baseball Classic. Oh, really? Cool. I've noticed that there are uh, coaches I've noticed that are Hall of Famers, at least, that are coaching. Yep. Uh, is, uh, of course, Ken Griffey Jr. is the batting coach, I believe, for Team USA. And Larry yes. Walker is the first base coach for Team Canada. That makes sense. I remember Burt Blylevin used to be the the pitching coach for the uh, Dutch team, another Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's Burt B. Home Blylevin. All right, next I have got an outfielder for your Seattle Mariners. I do not know who this is. This is clearly spring training, and this is frankly a. I'm kind of in love with this card. Outfielder Dave Hengel. Dave Hengel, boy, I you got me on that one. He's got a mustache. He's a burly guy. He's got a very unique stance. The bat looks like a toothpick in his in his hands, though. He's listed as only six foot one eighty five here on Baseball Reference. So hmm. not sure about that. Uh, he's from Fremont, California, and he went to Berkeley. Hmm. And, he, and he was born in Oakland. So I like this guy. Uh, let's see. Four years in the big leagues. Three with Seattle. One with Cleveland. 1988 with Seattle, 26 games, hit 167, two home runs, seven RBI. He's kind of Greg Perkle. <laughs> Before <laughs> Greg Perkle, I think. Uh, 25 OPS plus. <laughs> Minus 0.7 war. Wow, that's pretty not good. Yeah, I mean, he's got a mustache and real stirrups, so it'll only be a minus 0.5 for me. For his career, a minus (laughs) 2.2. Wow. Jeez. That's that's rough, but you know what? He was a big leaguer. Yeah. Uh, Let's see, he did go on to play a couple of years in Japan for Lotte in 90 and 91. Not much. 20 games and one game. (laughs) And he did not... (laughs) 
Yeah, didn't he fared about as well in Japan as he did in the big leagues. All right. Yeah, that's kind of a, I've noticed that's a recurring theme is playing only half a season or part of a season in Japan. Uh, we're very interested to see how Trevor Bauer does there. Um, sorry, <laughs> Japan. I'm sorry. Uh, all right. Next, we have got a guy that I know played forever. It is infielder here for the Giants, Chris Spire. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Chris Spire, uh, Oakland, also from Oakland. I mean, to be honest, though, I mean, I, I already knew this, but the Bay Area has produced so many baseball players. I mean, Joe DiMaggio, the DiMaggios. I mean, they're from from Martinez, which is very close to where I live here, like literally a 10 minute drive. Chris Spire, 19 years in the big leagues, 10 with the Giants, eight with the Expos, two with the Cubs, one with the Twins, one with the Cardinals. 1988 was his second to last year, 38 years old, still appeared in 82 games, hit 216, three home runs, 18 RBI, and 89 OPS plus, and that will equal a war of exactly zero. (laughs) Nothing on this card is going to help me out at all. This is kind of like why I don't like to uh, watch spring training games, because I just don't care, because it doesn't mean anything. Uh, Chris was the number two overall pick in the 70 draft. Wow. So uh, that's interesting. Also, uh, similarity scores here, as listed by Baseball Reference, very similar to Zoyo Versalis, who was the answer to our trivia question last week. Oh, yeah. Hey, again, another tie-in. Yeah. Uh, nicknamed the Alameda Rifle. Oh, I like that. Strong arm during his days as a player. I, that's a good nickname. A little violent, but, you know, it's, if you're from Oakland, you can do that, I guess. Sure. All right, so I'm at 2.6. Next, uh, we might, uh, I think this is kind of late in his career, but uh, Chet Lemon was a good ball player. Let's see what we got here. Chester Earl Lemon. Also sounds like a... A, a name of a character in in a like a child's book. <laughs> this is true. Chet Lemon, sixteen years in the big leagues, nine with Detroit, seven with the White Sox. Nineteen eighty eight, he was thirty three years old, one hundred and forty four games, hit two sixty four, a three forty six on base, seventeen home runs, sixty four RBI. Not bad, a one twenty two OPS plus, and that is good for a two point six WAR. Very nice. Yeah, plus he's got a mustache and real stirrups, so that'll be a plus 2.8. Uh, Chet, wow, he played for a long time. First round pick of the A's in 72, 22nd overall. Nice. And then was traded away to the White Sox for Steve Benhausen and Skip Pitlock, who I know we've talked about Skip Pitlock because neither of us had heard about him and we loved his last name. Yes. Yeah, well, I like his first name too, Skip. Skippy. <laughs> Skip and Chet. Uh, don't forget, we've mentioned this before when we've talked about Chet, that at one point, uh, Kevin Nash, the professional wrestler, was known as Chet Lemon. <laughs> really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Chet Lemon also kind of sounds like the, the name of a sportscaster from uh, like a, maybe a Ron Burgundy type situation. Right. True, true. Uh, we've talked about him not standing for the Star Spangled uh Banner, a.k.a. The yeah, Knicks I was just going to ask, was one of the new rules, uh, if you're a Jehovah's Witness, you get points? No, because frankly, we'd have had a couple already. Uh, we've This has been a very pious group that we have pulled. <laughs> <Okay, that's great. laughs> yeah, we won't bring that up. We'll steer away from that in politics. Um, next, we have got a pitcher for the Padres, Ed Whitson. 
big fan of Billy Martin's. <laughs> oh, yes. So let's see. Ed Lee Whitson, 15 years in the big leagues, eight with the Padres, two with the Giants. I'm sorry, three with the Giants, three with the Pirates, two with the Yankees, one with Cleveland. In 1988, he went 13 and 11 with San Diego for a 3.77 ERA, 205 and a third innings, 118 strikeouts, and a 91 ERA plus. And that is good for a war of 0.8. Ed always had a mustache, so that'll be a 0.9. Yeah, he had a pretty good one. Yeah, it's just okay here in this picture, though. I can't, I, I can't give myself two tenths here. It's it's a spring training mustache. Oh, he was traded at one point for Lenny Randall. Hey, a, a Mariners legend. Mariners legend, recording artist, uh, blower of baseballs. Lenny <laughs> Randall, good character. He did a lot of good commercials too. Yeah, for the Mariners. Oh boy, a good Ed Whitson moment. Besides, you know, brawling with Billy Martin in the in the bathroom was during that uh, that Braves Padres brawl when he had already been ejected from the game but came back out during another brawl without a shirt on. <laughs> oh, gee. He thought he was a boxer. Look at that. All right. Next uh, here with the Orioles outfielder Ken Gearhart. 3 years in the big leagues. All of it in an Orioles uniform. 1988 was his last in the big leagues. 103 games. Uh Played everywhere in the outfield. 195 batting average, 256 on base. That's wonderful. Nine home <clears> runs, <throat> 23 RBI, seven stolen bases for 69 LPS plus, and a minus 0.6 war. Well, I, I'd, I'd like to get this all out of the, you know, out of my system here during these exhibition games. I'll tell you what, if I paid money for that pack, I wouldn't be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, uh, not much going on here so far. Uh, and I'm down to my final three cards, so... Uh, next, here we go, outfielder for the Dodgers, Ralph Bryant. Another big one. Yeah, these are uh, some choice cards, I will say that. Ralph Bryant, uh, just like Ken Gerhardt, three years in the big leagues. All of his were with the Dodgers. Uh, and unfortunately, 1987 was the last one. So not much uh, not much help there. Overall, he had a career war of 0.9. He went on, wow, he went on to play in Japan for eight years with the Kinetsu uh, Buffalo. Wow, that's a pretty long time for uh, an American. It really is. He appeared in 773 games. He hit 261, had 259 home runs. Uh, yeah, that's pretty, wow. you know, pretty good. Japanese star. Yeah. Ralph Bryant. Interestingly, he tied Sadahiro O's career record for hitting three home runs in a game five times. Wow. Big stick. Yeah, uh, we've talked about him before because his uh, his links here are, have been clicked on before, but I really don't remember much about him. Yeah, me neither. We've looked at a lot of cards in four years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, second to last card here is uh, I think he's passed away. Uh, not super recently, but uh, a little while ago with my ace, second baseman, Tony Phillips. Oh, you got to love Tony Phillips. I do. I do love Tony Phillips. I mean, you said you've got to, so I, I do have to. Yeah, you have to. I'm pretty sure Ricky Henderson, uh, he uh, crashed on Ricky's couch when he was coming up as a young player in the early 80s. Oh, nice. Uh, let's see. Tony Phillips played for 18 years in the big leagues. And yeah, unfortunately, he passed away in uh, 2016. 
Uh, of those 18 years, nine with Oakland, five with Detroit, Anaheim, Chicago, the Mets, and Toronto as well. 1988 with Oakland, he was injured for part of the year. 79 games, only hit 203, 320 on base, two home runs, 17 RBI, 79 OPS plus, and that is going to equal a minus 0.44. Uh, he does have a mustache, and he does have real stirrups here, so it'll only be a minus two, but... I. I'm taking uh, one step forward and two steps back. I'm doing the old MC Scat Cat shuffle here. There you go. So far. And with one card left, I'm not expecting much. Uh, Number one draft pick, uh, first round draft pick for the Expos in 1978. First member of the Oakland Athletics to hit for the cycle. So I'm at 5.5 with one card left. You're at 13.9. This is a preseason exhibition, but it sure seems to be a... A normal outcome. My final card with the uh, Expos, Hubie Brooks. (laughs) What a pack. Now, if Hubie Brooks can get me, uh, what, uh, nine points of war, I'm going to be pretty happy. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm not sure Hubie had a big enough season for that. Well, he he was an all-star twice, but unfortunately, uh, that was 86 and 87. Uh, Let's see, 15 years in the big league, six with the Mets, five with Montreal, two with KC, one with the Dodgers, one with the Angels, two-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, 1988, 151 games, 200, 200, 279 average, 318 on base, two home runs, uh, I'm sorry, 20 home runs, 90 RBI. Wow, I would have never guessed. Hubie Brooks had two 20 home run seasons. No kidding. I didn't, I wouldn't have guessed that either. Uh, Seven stolen bases, a 115 OPS plus. And that will equal a 2.6 war. He's got a mustache, so that'll be 2.7. He actually has Mims bands on. Oh, oh. But uh, even that wouldn't help me. That'll end me at 8.2. And uh, just another day at the office for me. (laughs) Well, you know, you just have to get better at it. Another day, another dollar. Uh, (laughs) All right, so that's going to do it. So congratulations on the win that means nothing there, Mark. But uh, still, a tip of the cap to you. And uh, we'll have to figure out what what we're going to wear when we win a Wax Packs Heroes for our our celebration moving forward. All right, so that's going to wrap up this edition of Wax Packs Heroes. Also going to end this episode. uh, Again, apologies, everybody, for being a little bit late. Uh, When the computer does not work, the computer does not work. Uh, so I, we apologize for that, but um, thank you for uh, for joining us. If you want more of us, uh, I've been very busy lately, so I have not been able to be on social media a whole lot. But you can find us on all these socials at Two Strike Noise. You can find that uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, all the like. That is at T W O Strike Noise. Mark, we also have an email address. We do. You can write to us at Two Strike Noise. Spell it out. T-W-O strike noise at gmail.com. All right. Well, uh, Mark, this was fun. Let's do it again next week. Okay. Why not? Okay. All right. So uh, we will see you then on the next episode of Two Throw Over Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. <laughs>